Father, we invite the Holy Spirit into this place. We invite Jesus to be the head of our church. Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are grateful for your presence in our lives and in this church, and we pray that you would continue to be guiding this church through all the days of our life. And now as we open up your word together this morning, may we hear your words and how they fit into our own lives in a unique way for each of us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as uh, Beth uh, reminded us in our announcement time, we've just uh, we've hired a new lead pastor, and uh, we're looking forward to that. That is so good to know that we are headed into that uh, season now. So uh, Pastor Tamil will go back to an associate role in the congregation here, but she'll also be helping Pastor Stephen as he gets uh, oriented towards this place and, uh, and figures out what it means to be the lead pastor here. So good things are on the way. That means we've got our team in place. We've got uh, Kelly Lubbers as director of our child care center. Beth still will be doing some uh, administrative work for us. And uh, Becky Sykema will help out with uh, financial secretary work. So we've got a great, great team and things are headed forward. It's... it's uh, Exciting, and it's tempting to kind of begin to dream of, of what that future might look like. But today I really want to just kind of focus in on a scripture from Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is speaking to mature Christians, Christians who are ready to move forward. And, um, and so we're going to talk about what it looks like for Mature Christians going forward. I've entitled this message, Walk Worthy. I might have called it, Walk This Way, but to uh, name a sermon after an Aerosmith song didn't seem appropriate. Walk this way. Oh, I couldn't resist singing one more time here. This might be my last sermon, so I thought, you know, I should just throw in a little bit of song. But, uh, okay, took us totally off track there, didn't I? But we could have called it kind of the journey ahead, but then I would have been tempted to plug my latest book, which is called The Great Journey. Okay, I did plug it after all, didn't I? Okay. But um, anyway, I'm calling this message Walk Worthy. And when you think of that, it kind of brings several things to mind. I have loved being with you for this past year in this part of the country. I have a much greater appreciation now for Southern Ontario and what a beautiful part of the world you live in. And there are many places around here that are, are worthy of a walk, right? Uh, I've had opportunity to go out to Long, Long Point and see the World Heritage Biosphere out there. And you can see big turtles out there. And you can see all kinds of uh, bird life out there and snakes and all kinds of things that are beautiful. Your own Lynn Valley uh, pathway system I've used many times on bike or walking. This is a place worthy of many good walks. 
But of course, that's not what we're talking about here today. There's another meaning to walking worthy we want to talk about. It's about walking in the calling that we are called to. And so we're going to look at this passage in um, Ephesians chapter 2. We'll talk a little bit about why Paul is saying some of these things to the Ephesian church. We'll, we'll look at some of the key things that he's saying to these mature Christian leaders. And then we'll, we'll wrap up and think about our own calling that we have for the future. So let's get started by reading Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 8. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Another translation says to walk in the way that is worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For this, there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a, a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Paul spent a number of years with the Ephesus church. He would kind of make it his home base as he traveled to Asia. And he, at, this, at that point in his life, he was traveling around to new places where people had not heard of Jesus before. And he was establishing churches in other parts of Asia. And he would go out, and so he was spending lots of time with new Christians, immature Christians. But he could always come back to Ephesus and find more mature Christians there at Ephesus to worship together with, to be encouraged by them. And he spent more time there with them and learned from, the, or they, together they learned from about being mature Christians in Christ. So I felt like this was a really good passage for us to look at here together. This congregation's been here for a while. Many of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Some of you might be newer in the faith, but many of you have walked this life of faith for many years. And so I thought it might be wise for us to look at what this passage has to say to us and how we might embrace this walk that is worthy of the gospel and worthy of our calling. Um, one theologian and pastor says, the message of Ephesians is that when we embrace the love of Christ, we will also embrace the way of life that Christ loves. So we've been called to follow Jesus, and now we embrace the way of life of Jesus. Well, let's take a look. The first part of this passage, the first thing that kind of captures our attention is this phrase, lead a life worthy of your calling. Or as I said, another translation puts it, walk worthy of your calling. You see, we've all been called by Jesus. I don't know what your personal experience was at your own calling. 
Uh, maybe you haven't actually received a calling from Christ yet, and maybe today is the day for you to uh, hear Jesus' voice and follow him. But many of you in this room will remember the day or the, the time, the, the journey in your life where you made that decision to follow Jesus. You heard the call from Jesus. And just as much as any of the individual disciples were called, every one of us has been called to follow Jesus. We didn't call him. We didn't even call out to him. He knew about us before we were even aware of him. And he called us to be his followers. We're going to look in a few minutes at the life of Peter as an example of a calling. But uh, I want to just remind us that we have been called to follow Jesus. Do you remember what that was like? If we think about uh, Peter and his calling, um, he was one of the original disciples called by Jesus. And you'll remember that in Peter, and we've looked at Peter a number of times in the last little while, but he was there on the seashore, just working away at his job. And along comes Jesus and calls him and says, you can come with me now and be a fisher of people. And he left what he had behind and followed after Jesus. Now, you may not have been a fisherman when you were called by Jesus, but wherever you were and wherever you were, Jesus called you to be a follower of his. And now we are part of that band of followers that follow him together. And so Paul here in this passage says that we are to walk in a manner worthy of that calling. Uh, we don't walk worthy so that we so that God will love us but because he does love us he is motivated uh, we are motivated out of our gratitude not out of a desire to earn merit um, we are to walk worthy but we don't we we keep going back to this we remind ourselves that we don't walk in a manner worthy so that we will earn our way to heaven we walk in a manner that is worthy out of our gratitude for following or for what Christ has done in our lives. We'll never be able to walk a in a manner that's worthy to our uh, calling. The, the Bible talks about our calling as a, a treasure of great worth. It talks about that while we were yet prodigals, while we were yet sinners, while we were fallen, Jesus called us. And so we will never be able to walk in a manner that's fully worthy of that calling. And yet that is the goal, is that we strive to be walking in a manner worthy of our calling. Second part of this passage that catches our attention is this part that says, be patient with each other and allow for each other's faults. So just as we said, we will never walk fully in a manner that is worthy of our calling. We will make mistakes. We will fail. We will sin. Uh, our, I will sin. You will sin. Our pastors will fall, make mistakes. All of this, we know that we are fallen human beings. And yet we desire to be patient with one another and allow for each other's faults. What are some of those faults that we see in each other? 
Well, in the current context of the church, we, we have a tendency to point our finger at differences of opinion, don't we? We might think that those are somebody else has it all wrong and we've got it all right. Uh, the media today kind of exaggerates some of those differences that we as Christians have. And yet, we know that uh, we are all seeking to follow after Jesus. If we were uh, in this church maybe 50 years in the past, the issues would probably be different. At one time, it was, and we kind of look back at this as kind of being silly now, but at one time, it was a very serious theological position that women should wear hats when they came to church. And men should never wear hats when they came to church. The women's heads should always be covered. And that men's heads should never be covered when they came to church. And each of those different groups lined up with their um, perspectives and their theological arguments for each. And looked at the other person like, how can you not believe this? How can you not believe this? And so we find today that the issues are different. And yet... There are still disagreements. God's word tells us to be patient with each other and allow for each other's faults. As we look even further back in church history, we sometimes realize how imperfect all of our worship is. I sometimes get these uh, uh, emails that talk about today in church history. And sometimes I'm just shocked at the horrible things that were going on in church history in centuries past. And other times I'm rejoicing at what was going on. But we recognize that there's always been imperfection in our worship. I was struck with this when I had opportunity to travel to Europe. And I was sitting in a, a square in, um, in Italy one of the town squares in a city in Italy. And I looked around at me and there was so much art, so much art that was dedicated to God in that context. And yet I realized that many of those pieces of art were there because somebody had done that piece of art as a way of appeasing God, giving it to God so that God would be gracious to them or giving it to God so that God wouldn't smite them with the black plague or something of that nature. And I realized how imperfect our worship was centuries ago, and I realized how imperfect our worship might be today as well. In uh, a scholarly article written by Mark D. Baker, he talks, he, the paper is titled, Is God Perceived as a God of Love? In that paper, he talks about how the Catholic priests and the pastors, uh, evangelical pastors, have taken the message of the gospel to Central America. And in that message, they often emphasize the love of God the Father. And of course, that's a bedrock of what we believe in our faith, is it not? That God is a father and that God is a father of love. And he said, but yet in that cultural context, Many of the people that they were speaking to did not understand that concept of, the, of God's fatherly love. He said that in that Latino culture of Central America, many people did not know who their father was or had a bad experience with their father as only a disciplinarian, only a uh, strict uh, person and never a fatherly loving person. 
And so he says that sometimes our misunderstandings, our imperfections, our, our misunderstandings are, are then sometimes portrayed and we, we miss the point in the gospel. Is God a fatherly, is God a loving father? Yes, he is. But maybe that's not what they needed emphasized in that context. How much of our worship might be imperfect? We need to bear with one another and forgive each other for the mistakes we make. In uh, Psalms 139, we read, Purify, or, uh, we read, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of life everlasting. Psalm 51 says, Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. This passage of scripture reminds us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, but it also reminds us to bear with one another when we're imperfect, when we make mistakes, and when we fall. Thirdly, this passage for us mature Christians says that we are to be united. Verse 3 says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. That sounds like a high calling, doesn't it? We want to be unified together. We want to be uh, believers that follow t- Jesus together and are unified together. It's easier sometimes to just be un- united with those that we like, right? Sometimes we just kind of gravitate to people that are like us. But this word tells us that we are to be united together, not only in our own congregation, but with all believers around the world. And we are to be united in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, binding ourselves together in peace. The Bible calls us to this high calling. Here at Evergreen, we like to talk about being uh, Jesus-centered. That if long as we kind of keep our eyes focused on Jesus, we will be united together. Two guitars, each tuned to the same piano, will be tuned to each other. And so if we are all tuned to Jesus, we will be tuned to each other. Can we be united in our faith together? And lastly, the passage talks about our gifts. Verses 7 and 8, and it starts with this word, however, See, the the passage has been talking about our unity together, and it says that we are unified together in one body, one faith, one baptism. But then it says, however, and then it goes on to talk about each of us having a special gift. We are unified, and yet we are diverse. Let's read verses 7 and 8. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. 
When we become a part of the body of Christ, a few different things happen. When we take up the, fall, the call of Christ and follow him, we become part of this, this body. We become part of this local church. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us, but Jesus also gives us gifts. Now, some of those gifts will be kind of extensions of our natural talents, but others will be unique gifts that he gives us to use in his church and around the world. And sometimes I think we need to be reminded that each of us has been given a gift to be used in the church. And uh, those gifts, we need to figure out what they are. Uh, we can use some assessments that help us figure out what our gifts are, but we can also just kind of try some things in the church and figure out what it is that God might be calling us to do. Most of you probably remember what it was like to uh, learn to ride a bike. Now, I have met a few adults recently who did, never did learn to ride a bike. But most of us will remember learning to ride a bike. And so when you learned to ride a bike, it was kind of a risky thing, right? You, there was a risk of falling down and cutting up your knees and that sort of thing. But we took that risk and we practiced it and we did it time and time again until we got it right and we learned how to ride a bike. And it was worth it when we felt the wind blowing in our face and, and we felt that feeling of, I can ride this bike. Well, the same is kind of true of our spiritual gifts. We don't know exactly what they are until we take the risk and see what it is that we might be able to do. What is it we can do in the church? What is it we can do in the world? What is it that God is calling us to do as a special gift from him? So we take that risk and we practice and we learn what those gifts are in our lives. One day we feel God using that gift in the spirit in the, in the church and we, we feel like we're now riding that bike with the wind in our face. Well, as we conclude this message, I wanted to just remind you of that calling of Peter. I said we would talk a little bit more about the calling of Peter as we close off this message. If we're to walk in the calling in a manner that is uh, of our worthy of our calling, we need to remember what that calling was. I think it's all often a good time to kind of rethink what is our calling? What was my calling many years ago for us? Well, the Bible tells us that Peter was a humble fisherman without great education or great natural gifting for the work, and Jesus called him to follow him. You can read about Peter in Matthew 4, Mark 1, Luke 5, uh, John chapter 1. Each of the gospel writers has their own story and tells from their own perspective of Peter's calling. But for the next few minutes, I want you to just sit back and listen to the retelling of this story. I did a little bit of creative writing and I wanted you to imagine what it would be like if Peter told his story, his own story, from a contemporary perspective. Take a listen to this story. I was hard at work at my job and it was a bad day. It was important that I get lots of work done that day. I had to make my quotas so I could get paid and pay my bills but everything was going wrong. 
none of my tools would work. Things that normally flowed smoothly were taking too long. And then there were the interruptions of the day. So many interruptions to an already full day. I felt insignificant. I felt undervalued. I felt useless. I felt impoverished. I felt defeated. How could I take care of my family? Then he showed up. One more interruption in a wasted day. Who was this teacher who came to make our burdens light? How could he make my burdens light? He looked like he didn't know what it was like to toil through the workday with nothing to show for it. He spoke with ease and commanded the attention of everyone. He spoke of God, farming, seeds, banquets, life, death, sinners, and religious people. What did I care? I needed to work. He didn't care about my work, my livelihood, my family, my life. He came over to my work area and he offered advice. Try doing it this way. I was angry. Who is this know-it-all who thinks he knows my job? I was so frustrated, I angrily took his advice just to show him it wouldn't work. But it did. It worked. And my work was back on track, just like that. I would make my quotas and more. I would get my pay and care for my family. There might even be enough to save for another tough day. Who is this guy? Then I looked at him. I really looked at him. I realized he cared about me. He cared about the crowd. He cared about everyone. He spoke to me again. Follow me. I told him I wasn't a good person, that I'd been angry about his advice, that he should get away from me. But he persisted and he said, follow me. And I did right there at that moment in my workplace. I followed him. He told me that from now on, I did my work for him, for the benefit of others. Think back to your own calling. When you were called to follow Jesus. We're going to prepare for communion in just a couple minutes. I'm going to invite the worship team up to uh, come and get ready to play. And I'm going to lead us through a bit of a spiritual practice to get us ready to, uh, to take communion together. But I'm, we're going to stick with this theme of our calling and to remember what our calling was and to recommit ourselves to that calling. Communion is a time when we can recommit ourselves to that calling that we had maybe last week or maybe many years ago. But it's an opportunity to uh, prepare and once more commit to Christ.